promotional fee has been paid by the sponsor of this program for its editorial content. Statements, views, and beliefs expressed by the sponsor do not reflect those of WOKV or Cox Media Group. In the House with Ken and Jared is brought to you by Universal Roof and Contracting. Our Ask the Expert weekend continues with In the House with Ken and Jared. For all your questions on roofing, siding, and home improvement, call 340-1045. Ken and Jared at Universal Roof are ready to answer your questions. In the house on News 1045 WOKV. Hey, hey, welcome. That's right. In the house with Ken and Jared, your home improvement questions are answered here. Hi, my name is Jared Mellick. And sometimes sitting next to me is my father, Ken. It just so happens today is one of those days. Yeah, we got to start out the new year right. And, and welcome, everyone, to the show. Jared and I always appreciate you tuning into our show and giving us the opportunity to speak to you live on the air and, and talk to you about your honey-do list and whatever projects that you got going on. So please, what makes the show today, we'd love to be talking to you. Uh, yep, give us a call number to dial 3401045. Again, that's 3401045 is the number to dial with your home improvement questions. Ken and I own a business it's called Universal Roof and Contracting. Uh we are uh licensed roofing and general contractors and uh throughout the week we help people with roofing, siding and windows. That's what we do in our business uh day in and day out. Uh but every weekend we come in and answer your home improvement questions. And uh, any type of home improvement question is okay, if uh, whether it's uh, roofing, siding, windows, as we said, or uh, uh, kitchens, baths, uh, you know, really anything having to do with home improvement. If you have a leaky faucet, you want to know how to stop it. There's a stain somewhere. You want to know how to uh, find it or fix it. Uh, if uh, electrical plumbing, uh, electrical questions, plumbing, really anything having to do with home improvement, a uh, number to dial is 340-1045. Again, 340-1045, and uh, really any type of home improvement question we would love to answer. All right, so we have some stuff on our talk agenda to get to as well. Uh, we do have some email questions that we need to need to get to. And by the way, if you want to email us a question, you can do that through our website. It's uh, questions at universalroofjacks.com. Uh, or if you just click on inthehouseshow.com, then you can uh, uh, ask us a question there as well. And then uh, we have a poll question on the website which is how many fires each year are estimated to be a direct result of Federal Pacific panel breaker malfunctions. Uh, Federal Pacific is a, um, a manufacturer of, uh, of, or used to be a uh, manufacturer of, um, uh, of uh, electrical panels, and they were found to be defective where the breaker doesn't, uh, doesn't actually switch. And... Um, uh, and so there's been numerous fires caused as a result. You can see the results of uh, some of those on our website, inthehouseshow.com. And then there is a link there for the poll question. want to see how many of you get that right. So go to inthehouseshow.com uh, uh, for that. All right, so let's go straight to the phones. Let's talk to Bill on the north side. Bill, you're in the house. How can we help you? Bill, Hello. You're there? Hey Bill, thanks for your call. All right, let's put him uh, put him on hold there. Have him turn down his radio and see if we can uh, see if we can grab him again in a second. Um, but uh, 
uh, go ahead and chat with them and have them figure out how to how to do radio uh, yeah. radio calling uh, 101 but uh, uh, Bill will go back to you in just a moment yeah this is a um, yeah, many times people will uh, wait until the rainy season uh, yeah. to to look at their roofs. Now, yesterday we actually had some pretty big, uh, yeah, pretty big storms, but um, uh, but uh, this really is the best time of year to look at roofing. Really, it absolutely is. I, I mean, uh, it's cooler. You can get more done in a day, uh, uh, and the chances of rain. You know the isn't going to happen and and so you really can get more work done and we love to do roofs this time of the year we get a lot of work done yeah uh and so if uh, you are uh, thinking about having your roof replaced you can uh want an estimate you can go to our website universalroofjacks.com and uh, you can schedule an appointment uh, there as well uh, to have your roof replaced by us all right, let's go uh, back to the phones. Let's go to Kay on the west side. Kay, you are in the house. How can we help you? Good morning. Good yes, morning, my, Kay. My mother lives in the west side, and her driveway is fairly narrow. Mm-hmm. She cannot step on in and out of the car without getting into the grass on the driveway. So we wanted to widen it by 24 inches on either side. Okay. Yeah. Is, is, is that a project? We should hire a contractor to do our, we've laid, you know, little pads of concrete here and there ourselves. But is that a project you would think that we could do ourselves? Well, um, it depends on your capabilities. I mean, in general, I, I, I have a tendency to encourage people to try projects. You know, I, you know, I've been in construction my whole life. We've been doing a, a home improvement radio show for a number of years, and I love encouraging people to do to do projects. When when you're pour, when you're pouring concrete, though, there's a difference between pouring concrete for foot traffic and pouring concrete for vehicular traffic. And so, um, so you know, it's got to be thicker. It's got to be uh, – uh, it's usually larger sections, which means there's more of it. Uh, it's you want to make sure that the ground is compacted well enough so that, so that that way the concrete doesn't settle. And so um, – so I can make an argument both ways on whether or not you should do it yourself or whether or not you would hire a professional. If the one thing that you can do, though, is if you wanted, rather than uh, rather than pour that area, you could do you know like some larger pavers or something right. like that to yeah. extend. To extend this section, and uh, you could, uh, if you wanted it to match, you could put pavers on both sides of the driveway, almost like a decorative band yeah. uh, that goes down each side. Uh, or I've seen people just place, you know, some larger pavers on one side, just so that that way there's a little bit uh, bigger area there. So, um, yeah, my concern with the pavers is that she's elderly. Mm-hmm. I want the paver. I want the area to be completely level so that there's right. not a cor- tripping issue. Yeah. And I was concerned grass would grow up between a paver, or they might just settle just a little bit. And so that's why I was kind of leaning toward concrete was to make it level and balanced with the driveway. And how long is the driveway? Oh, it's only about. A car length. It's not much long. It's a tiny little yard. So we've okay. got 16 feet on one side and I think 14 on the other. 
Okay. So if you're going to do it yourself, um, this is what this is what I would recommend. Is one you want to. So uh, most of the time, driveways are going uh, are going to be four inches thick. Uh, I'd I'd actually because it's such a small section and so narrow, I'd actually rather you make that at least six inches thick. So you have to dig down. I want you to dig more than the six inches uh, because uh, it's good to to have um, some crushed concrete in there or some gravel go in there first. So you remove the, the dirt in that area. You want to make sure that you compact it down. So you can either rent a compactor from the home improvement stores is really the best thing to do. Just rent a little compactor to compact that area down. Um, uh, also, if you spray, uh, take a garden hose, spray water on it, and then compact it again, that helps you get some good compaction there. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, you build the form uh, on the outside so that that way, um, you know, you have a nice straight edge for the concrete to go in. And then, um, uh, you know, you go ahead and, and pour that concrete and then uh, take the trowel and, and smooth it out. So that's the process that you would go through. Is there anything I'm missing in that, Ken? Well, I, I like the idea that you mentioned uh, uh, about not only after the compaction and you got the form set there, that uh, you have it deep enough. And I, I would get it deep enough that you could put some actually crushed rock underneath of that uh, and men, make sure you use a level when when you're setting that so that the uh, water uh, isn't going to pond between the two and maybe a little bit of tip so it it runs to the outside, not to the middle of the driveway, uh, and that you get some crushed rock in there to make it stronger. The uh, the other thing you could do, too, to keep it from cracking more is make sure that you get some rebar yeah, in rebar there, sort of wire. Uh, and were you planning on having a truck deliver? Uh, I wouldn't. I would go get some sackcrete. They have some really good products uh, uh, that way. Uh, and uh, But you have to mix it well. Uh, some people will say, well, just put it in the ground. It'll get wet. No, you got yeah, you you to mix it. Don't yeah. get it too wet. The stronger uh, the wire, the more structure you put in it, the better. And make sure it's a little lower on the outside than the, the current so you're coming up to be smooth exactly with what's existing. And then get it so that it runs a little lower on the outside so it runs the water away. And uh, it is a good home improvement project. But uh, you need to do your homework. You need to make sure that you're right and you have it compacted. Worst thing is you go to all that expense and then it crumbles. And then it cracks and then you're, yeah. you're in a worse spot than you were before. Yeah. And what I always recommend, too, when deciding whether or not to do a, bro a project yourself is I always recommend that you get quotes. Yep. So that that way you have a value associated with the money that you are saving. In other words, you may say, uh, somebody may come back and say, okay, it's $700, and you'll be like, well, for 700 bucks, I've got 300 in material. There's no freaking way I'm doing it myself. Right. You know, and so uh, I don't know that that's a number, but I, I'm just saying that uh, that whenever deciding whether or not to tackle a project, you should always get a quote from a professional uh, to see uh, how much you're saving. And then when you do get those quotes, I want you to make sure that the person is experienced in doing it and that they're going to do pretty much what Jared and yeah, I just talked about, all of those things that they're not just going to 
take a, 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 a one by four and put it on the outside, slam it in the ground, dig it four inches, not compact, not use wire, not, you know, all those things that we've just talked to you about, Kay. Okay. And then you've got to have some brothers with some nice, strong backs, right? That's true. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. That's true. You, you gotta... <laughs> well, they, they don't need to be brothers, but they can sure be some good friends. <laughs> oh, I've got two. Oh, there you go. My see? husbands and brothers in law. There you go. All to work. Okay. And, That's good. And here's the thing. If you ever, ever have any question about it and, and you need some advice, you can just call our office. It doesn't have to be on Saturday. We'd be glad to give you some advice. <laughs> Thank you so much. You've you been bet, very Kate. helpful. I- I thought you were going to offer to go be one no, of the brothers to I've go done, help I've carry. done that a lot, though. I poured a lot of concrete <laughs> in my day. All right. Uh, we need to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, Bill is back uh, with his uh, skylight question. Brian in Ponte Vedra has a, a question about changing his house color. And there's a line open for you, 340-1045. You're in the house. We'll be right back. Hey. Welcome back in the house with Ken and Jared. Your home improvement questions are answered here. Number to dial is 340-1045. Again, 340-1045. All right, let's go straight to the phones. Let's talk to Mickey in the west side. How are you today, Mickey? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing really well. How can I help you? Um, I just want to know, uh, get your opinion on bamboo flooring. Mm-hmm. I currently have... Um, it's laminate flooring. It was in the house when I bought it, and it looks like crap now. It's you know, <laughs> bubbling up in different places that I want to um, replace it. I'm not sure about, you know, either using tile, but I, I've seen the bamboo flooring, and I really like that. Just wondering how that will hold up, you know, in the in the living room, great room, whatever you want to call it, you know, as far as um, sure. durability. Yeah, so- yeah, so I, um, you know, we've seen over the last number of years, over the last ten years or so, that bamboo flooring has really gained a lot of popularity. Uh, it probably peaked uh, about five years ago. Was probably when it peaked, and uh, so there's there are some advantages and disadvantages. I mean, the the uh, it. Uh, but there's also a difference in how it's made and how it's manufactured. Uh, there are some – when we look at flooring, one of the things that we look at is the hardness of the flooring. And so some of the manufacturers of bamboo, uh, they can get a similar hardness to some of the, the, you know, the, the regular hardwoods that we would use. And then some manufacturers, um, uh, it's still pretty soft. So the harder it is, the more durable it is. The softer it is, the less durable it is. Um, so one of the advantages to bamboo is that um, you know bamboo grows pretty quickly, and so they're able to uh, um, you know it's a renewable resource that they're able to grow pretty quickly, uh, which helps cut down on some of the cost. And so we have seen that um, bamboo, you know, if you compare, you know, the hardness of some bamboos to the hardness of some of the hardwoods, you can get a pretty hard floor uh, in bamboo for a pretty reasonable rate. So um, if I'm comparing um, bamboo to some of the engineered hardwood floors, I would probably uh, go to an engineered hardwood floor before I went to bamboo. Uh, if I'm comparing bamboo to laminate, then I would have a tendency to do the, the, the bamboo before I did some of the laminate floors. So 
the bamboo over what you have would be great. Uh, but what I would recommend is that you get a couple different quotes and you look at a couple different materials and go to a couple different um, uh, flooring stores and get their opinions on it and then choose the one in the end that you like. Uh, a lot of times the bamboo has a very distinct look to it as well. And so some people – uh, if you're going to sell the house in a few years, uh, some people may not like the look, the aesthetics of the bamboo. So, uh, so just be aware of that as you're as you're selecting. But, um, but adding it to part of the choices, I think, is a great idea. Okay. Now um, you were talking about the hardness. Is it when I go to like, you know, somewhere like floor and decor, or whatever, to look at it? Is is the hardness rating going to be listed? On the it's, no, probably not listed on the sample, but that is information that you can ask them so that that way they – and that, that, by the way, when you ask what the hardness rating is, you're going to get a different type of conversation because they know that you're an advanced buyer, that you know what you're talking about. So those are great questions to ask the flooring company, and they should know. And if they don't know or they try to skirt around the issue, then uh, then – that tells you what you need to know as well. But the hardness rating is a key element when selecting any sort of wood floor. What, what will it be? Give me an example of what, what the hardness rating would be. Is, I mean, is it a number or just... Yeah, it is It is a number, and um, I've got to take a break now, uh, but um, you can go ahead and hang up, and I'll talk about the hardness rating uh, in the next segment for a couple minutes. Okay. Thank you so much for your call. Uh, you're listening in the house. We'll be right back. Our Ask the Expert weekend continues with In the House with Ken and Jared. For all your questions on roofing, siding, and home improvement, call 340-1045. Ken and Jared at Universal Roof are ready to answer your questions. In the House on News 1045 WOKV. Hey, hey, welcome back. Uh, before the break, we were uh, talking about uh, bamboo floors uh, a uh, caller had asked uh, about uh, bamboo and uh, was it a good option. Uh, and um, in general, uh, I would uh, I would personally uh, rec uh, use something other than uh, than bamboo personally. But uh, compared to laminate, it's it's not a bad option. So we had talked uh, before the break about um, I talked about uh, the hardness rating of different types of of floors. So I just wanted to kind of continue that. I didn't have uh, time to get to it uh, when we look at um, uh, wood floors, uh, there's a Jenka hardness test, and basically what it is is it measures the resistance uh, of, of wood from denting and wear. Basically what they do is they take a, a steel ball, and there's specific uh, requirements on how the, the test is done, and the steel ball uh, falls down to the floor, and you measure how how resistant uh, each species of wood is in uh, relation to resistance of dent denting, and uh, it's a it's a hardness test. And so, depending on the um, the bamboo floor, some of them have very low ratings, and some of them have very high ratings in regard to how they resist uh, that test. Now, bamboo in general, a lot of times uh, they will say has a higher rating, but it still does uh, still does 
wear um, uh, fairly heavy. So uh, the numbers range from, uh, in the hardness test, from like the 800 range up to the 6,000 range. Uh, and so, um, uh, and a lot of bamboo is in the 1300 range, which there's a whole chart that you can look at that looks at uh, bamboo in comparison to other types of floors. So, um, but uh, good luck with that floor selection and um, uh, good luck with that project. Number to dial if you want to ask any home improvement question, 340-1045. Again, 340-1045. My name is Jared Malik. I own a business, Universal Roof and Contracting. Uh, Throughout the week, we help people with roofing, siding, and windows. And uh, But I'm a general contractor, so any type of home improvement question is okay with me. Again, the number to dial, 340-1045. If you want to call my business uh, for a roofing, siding, or window estimate, uh, my office number is 647-3907. All right, earlier in the show, we had a caller ask about uh, water softeners, and uh, Greg in St. Augustine wants to offer some tips on water softeners. So welcome to the show, Greg. Uh, thanks for calling. Oh, you're very welcome. I just wanted to add a couple things. Uh, I'm, I'm a water well contractor. Oh, okay. Uh, so... He was right in his assumption that it needs to go. He had evidently two pumps, two tanks, and an aerator. It needs to go to the pump that services the house after that, not through the aerator. And a couple points, uh, I don't know what type of well he has. Uh, if he doesn't have a hardness test kit, if it doesn't, doesn't come on, I would initially set the water softener at 25 on the hardness scale. That should handle it. Uh, the main thing on this, there's two things. There's a drain plug, a drain overfill on the side of that tank. Uh, whatever you do, if you want it to drain, if you're going to put it in your garage, that's fine. Uh, most people do not put a hose on that because it's just an overfill drain. But whatever you do, do not put the line, that regeneration line, to that, a lot of people think that but it hooks right back into that barbed fitting. Well, you don't have a problem if you do that. Right. Uh, the second thing on this well, if it's a shallow or superficial well, he needs to make sure that that discharge line is away from that well. I have been to many people's houses where these companies come in and they run the shortest amount of discharge regeneration line is possible and it ends up being right at their well. Well, they have a superficial well in a few years. Believe it or not, that water is going to follow that pipe all the way down because on the shallow well, if it's not a PVC, they get these spent pipes. But there's never hard to clay. And that Salt water that is discharged will follow that pipe right down to the bottom of the screen where the water comes in your well, and you will be drinking salt water. Right. 
No, that's really great advice. Uh, thank you, Greg, for uh, for calling in with those tips. Those were those were both really good things, and I hadn't uh, hadn't thought of those. We, I tell you, we have the smartest listeners here on uh, on WOKV. That's for sure. Thanks, Greg, for for those tips. I really appreciate you listening to the show, and uh, and any time uh, you can add something, I, I appreciate you being a part. All right, let's uh, let's go on to Paul on the south side. Paul, you're in the house. How can I help you? I want to chat with you about the uh, air ventilation underneath the roof, you know, and above yes. the ceiling. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, I opened up one of those little square vents in the uh, overhang, and I noticed that the insulation on the ceiling came right out to the roof, so mm-hmm. it was blocking the airflow. Right. And I'm probably probably not getting very good airflow from my vents up to the 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 roof vent at the, you know, at the peak of the roof. Does that make any sense to you, or is that a problem? Or Yeah, this is an extremely common problem. Uh, that w- that we see, and what's supposed to happen, and if we look at ventilation, vent- attic ventilation uh, plays such a critical role in a number of things that in the house. Houses are designed to breathe, and so uh, the attic ventilation is typically how most houses breathe. What happens is is that all of the uh, moisture and the bad air that's on the inside of the home, uh, either through cooking and bathing or through uh, breathing out, uh, that air has to get out. Way. And so what is supposed to happen is, is that air um, goes up into the attic area. You're supposed to have intake ventilation from the soffits in most cases and then exhaust ventilation on the roof. And the hot air and moisture will only escape at the same rate as the cool air and good air will come in through the soffits. And so this is an extremely common problem that I see where people have uh, soffit ventilation, but then when the insulation contractor comes in, they blow in the insulation all the way out to the outer edges and it blocks that intake air from ever being able to come in. So what's supposed to happen is there's supposed to be a baffle that goes at that soffit uh, exterior wall truss end uh, combination that blocks the that area so that uh, the insulation does not block the airflow from coming in and it's a little baffle that's installed on the underside of the roof deck right at that roof to wall transition and so so many houses don't have that and so then uh, they have exactly the same problem that you just noted which is that you have soft events but they're not actually working because they're blocked right so uh, I got myself a project. You do. You do. <laughs> now, th- there's a couple ways that you can handle it. One is is that you can go from inside the attic and, and actually pull that back. Um, but you don't want to pull it too far because you don't want that hot air coming in. I mean, insulation needs to start at the ceiling level on the inside of the home. So you can go inside the attic. You can actually pull that back and install a, um, a baffle on that side. What most people would do, especially when it's a situation like this where you have uh, those isolated soffit vents, uh, meaning that you you just have like a small rectangular vent. Well, continuous soffit vent works a lot better. And so what most people would do is they would just replace their soffits at that point 
uh, pull out their old soffits, install a baffle from the from the exterior level, from the soffit level uh, to the underside of the roof deck. You're opening up that area so that the air can flow in, and then installing a continuous soffit vent instead of the isolated soffit vents. So that's the way most people would fix that problem. Yeah, our house, due to the vaulted ceilings and so on, it's very difficult to get to most of the house to pull the uh, insulation back. And the baffles are flexible enough that you can, when you open up that vent a little bit more to put in a bigger vent, there's plenty of room to put the baffles in to compress the uh, the uh, the uh, insulation right at the uh, edge of the roof. Yeah, I mean that's the way that I would do it. Uh, is that way? I, and I personally, rather than just enlarge the vent, I personally would do a continuous soffit vent. I would either replace it with an aluminum soffit, or uh, I, per- I personally like Hardy. Hardy makes a, a, a vented soffit that um, uh, uh, that is really good. So that's pers- that's what I would personally do: is replace the soffit uh, with a continuous soffit vent as opposed to um, just the isolated. Yeah, I just heard big bucks. Uh, yeah, that well. I mean, everything's expensive, isn't it? I mean, uh, I, but yes, uh, but you certainly can do just the isolated vent. But the the more airflow you have, the the better. And so I find that so many times the ventilation system on uh, on people's houses is costing them energy every single month. And so once you actually install the right soffit vents, uh, I find that most people reduce their energy bills, and so then it ends up paying for itself long term. But you're fine either way. I'm I'm not uh, I'm not opposed to you just doing the isolated, but continuous definitely works better. You have a moment for a story along these lines? Uh, quickly, yeah. I used to live out in Phoenix, and we had a flat roof. Mm-hmm. I went up there one afternoon and cut holes in the roof to install those turbine vents, those mm-hmm. ugly things that you you could not see from the street due to the design of the house. But the sawdust was actually blowing up out of the house because of so much pressure. Right. And uh, it made all the difference in the world. Afterwards, we could now sit in our uh, family room in the afternoon, which is the furthest from the air handler, and it made so much difference in how the house cooled. Yeah, ventilation is key. I I find people all the time where they um uh, where they don't have sufficient ventilation. They add the right ventilation, and they they save so much energy because the house can actually cool properly. So so no, that's a great story. I mean, you're actually proving my point through that story. So um so that's great. Thanks, Paul. Really appreciate your call. We got we got to move on. Number to dial three four zero one zero four five again three four zero one zero four five. Let's uh, let's see. Let's um. Let's talk to John in Orange Park. John, you're in the house. How can I help you? Hey, how you doing? Um, I got a question for you. I've got a flat roof on a rental I've got. It's got uh, the old asphalt uh, tar, whatever, covering on it. Mm-hmm. Starting to leak, and I've seen a product online. Uh, it's a rubberized sort of stuff that you can slop on or, or, or label on or scoop on or whatever. And I was wondering uh, what the uh, efficacy of that stuff is. 
Yeah, I mean, it's if you have a leak, there's no amount of coding that will that will permanently stop the leak. And so, uh, those coatings primarily are designed as UV protection. You know, if, so if you have black asphalt and then you have this nice white rubberized coating, the nice white rubberized coating is actually going to reflect the sun more, which will protect the asphalt. But if you uh, so from that perspective, it's good for UV coating, but for waterproofing, it doesn't work. Um, it, the, the when you have a leak coming in, that's that's saying that there's something that's incorrect there. So either there's a hole, or there's an, uh, a a seam that is separated, or there's a transition that is wrong. So you you need to fix that. Uh, before you p- would put any coating over the top of it, the coating by itself is not uh, is not going to um, uh, is actually not going to work in relation to uh, to actually keeping um, uh, the uh, is to keeping the water out. So I'm going to recommend that you do some sort of repair first. So um, uh, uh, so um, so yeah. So I I would recommend that you get the roof. Uh, repaired first. And if you want, uh, we can give you a quote on that. Always give free estimates, 647-3907. Again, 647-3907. Uh, I got one more. I got one more quickie for you. I got another uh, roof on my home. Sure. Uh, on a transition between the uh, the sun porch that was put in a few years ago. It's uh, never fully uh, not leaked, and uh, and it's getting obviously worse and worse. I've seen some rubberized, instead of the old felt, they're using now a rubberized, uh, almost like a mat that, sticks, that uh, can help transitions, and I was wondering uh, if that's a possibility or how, how that stuff works. Yeah, I mean, um, so it depends on what it's applied to, but if we look at underlayment systems, they've come a long way. But we always want, when we look at waterproofing, we always want durable materials keeping the water out. We want flashing. We want uh, uh, good uh, roofing materials. And so um, so any transition needs to have a good overlap. It needs to be overlapped correctly uh, to make sure that it keeps the water out. I've got a hard break here that I've got to go to. But uh, thanks, John. Appreciate your call. All right. When we come back, uh, Michael at the beaches disagrees with me uh, about a previous caller. So I want to chat with him. Anita in uh, Arlington has a question about painting. And then Howard on the west side uh, has a floor uh, issue. So I'm going to try to get to all those. You're listening in the house. We'll be right back. Hey, hey, welcome back. Final segment this week's In the House with Ken and Jared. Thanks for joining me today. Let's go straight back to the phones. Let's talk to Michael at the beaches. How are you doing today, Michael? Good, thank you. I I came in on the middle of the conversation concerning the uh, venting of the attic, uh, your second call ago. Yes, sir. And I had a similar problem from what I gather, because like I said, I came in in the middle of it, uh, where I spray foamed the attic. And mm-hmm. entombed it, basically created a tomb, and it got rid of all my problems. So I, originally, I had incre- I had increased the ventilation with a ridge vent, and I still was having issues. And then I had spray foam come in there and just spray foam the heck out of it, and the humidity went down. Every, sure. Everything got better. Yeah, no, I'm not. Um, so his question was actually he had a vaulted ceiling that he couldn't access, and then they had blocked the soffit vents uh, with the insulation, so he wasn't getting any airflow. So he kind of he had a different situation than you. I love spray foam insulation. I have spray foam insulation at my own house. Uh, most houses today, though, are designed to uh, for the attic to breathe, and so. Um, 
it's important when using spray foam. I've seen uh, spray people use spray foam in an application, though, that doesn't work well. So it's important when you do spray foam that you address the airflow of the homes and the HVAC system has to have a fresh air exchange uh, so that that way the house can still breathe and so um, when you do spray foam if you have if you uh, retrofit it to an existing house you have to make sure that you close off the soffit you have to make sure that you have um, a fresh air exchange you have to make sure that you have returns AC returns throughout the entire house so the air is actually flowing and then you have to remove the existing insulation out of the home so that that way you're not uh, stopping that airflow um, where it can flow throughout the entire house. So, um, so yeah, I, uh, I like spray foam. Uh, I'm not anti-spray foam at all. Uh, but in, the la- in that caller's situation, it, it actually it wouldn't have worked because he'd have to rem- he'd has to access the area to be able to install the spray foam in. But, but thanks, Michael. I, yeah, I agree. Uh, I like spray foam. So, all right, let's uh, let's see. Let's go to Howard on the west side. Howard, we've got a couple minutes. How can I help you? How you doing today? Good, thanks. I got a, a double wide trailer that's been built around. Anyway, when they set the trailer up, uh, it was thought that they had leveled it, and after it was built around and all enclosed, and they had uh, hardwood floor putting in it, we found out in one of the back rooms. Uh, that the floor dropped about two and a half to three inches from one side up into a corner into a bathroom. So the bathroom's actually up higher and it goes down. Lower that into the trailer frame to where the floor would be level. Do you have to pull a permit as a homeowner? Um, well, I mean, in general, if you ask, if you call and ask a municipality whether or not a permit is required for something, they're going to tell you yes. So, for example, if you call and say, hey, I'm replacing one of my outlets, uh, my electrical outlets, uh, they're going to say, yes, a permit is required. So, in general, I would say, yes, it's a structural change, therefore a permit would be required. Um, so, and, you know, the good thing about permits is that that municipality is going to help you with that. Good luck with that project. Thank you so much for listening. My business, Universal Roofing Contracting. Give us a call, 647-3907. Show's called In the House every Saturday morning. Thank you so much for listening. God bless. See you.